Hello, I'm Colin Green, and you are listening to Spike Pit. So this morning, I was delighted to receive, through the post, uh, a book. And the reason I was delighted was because I was in the middle of putting together some monsters for my Tuesday game, uh, using the random tables in Sharp Swords and Sinister Spells Addendum book. Uh, They've got some great tables in there. And I was was on uh, monster number 10. And I was just going to do a, a D10 random chart to go with it. And uh, so there's a FUD and I go and have a look and I discover, like I say, to my delight, my copy of the Goodman Games Monster Alphabet has arrived. So I had a quick flip through and I thought, you know what? I think this is really cool. So spoilers, I think it's really cool. Um, and I, I've been inspired to... Um, Quick, quickly put together a, a little bit of a, a, a walkthrough of the book and a you know semi review. Now, a warning to listeners: this is not something I normally do, and uh, is a bit of a first. So we'll see how it goes. What then is the monster alphabet? Well, it is described as an A to Z reference for classic monster design by Job Bitman and Michael Curtis. So that's taken directly off the front cover. On the back, they uh, elaborate on that a little bit more. Um, And the blurb is, Designing monsters is as easy as ABC. What foul beasts slosh and gibber in the furthest reaches of your skull? Unleash your demons with the monster alphabet, a compilation of monster design elements keyed to letters of the alphabet. A is for Android. B is for Breath Weapon. C is for crossbreed. Game masters of any rule system will find inspiration for creating strange new abominations, random tables of traits, powers and lore, or inspiring illustrations by your favourite fantasy artists, old and new, and roll in handfuls of dice directly on monster generation diagrams. The entries are accompanied by fantastic art from classic fantasy illustrators and are compatible with all fantasy role-playing games. There you go. That's from the creators, and I think that just about sums things up. Better than I can, so uh, hence hence the quote. Or reading, I should say. So, this book is solid. It's um, hardback, uh, 8.5 by 11, you know typical rule book sort of size it's got um, sewn binding and uh, 80 pages printed in black and white on a pretty robust matte paper it's uh, the sort of thing that you'll have around for a long time I'm guessing now that is all well and good what does it look like well, on the front cover, we've got a, a painting by none other than Jim Holloway. And the uh, list of art credits is extensive. And um, thankfully, it includes all the usual suspects. So, if I read down, we've got Easley, Has, Holloway, Kovacs, LaForce, McCrossland, McDevitt, Mullen, Otis, Nicholson, Poag. Sir Gaschetti, 
Whelan and Wilson. So I think that's 14 in total. And um, yeah, lavish, lavishly illustrated throughout with um, some nice sort of double page spreads. Um, and it, yeah, the, the, the double page spreads is something that you really miss out on if you look through the PDF. You just don't get the same impact. Um, and it's all that that classic black and white line art that uh, is popular with with fans of the OSR, and I count myself as one of them. And uh, yeah, yeah, just awesome. So they take pictures in the typical. If any, if you've seen the DCC core book, it's a, a very similar vibe to that. So you get a big double page spread and then the, the, the written content is kind of uh, superimposed over the top of the artwork. But it's all, you know, it's all figured out to work really well. So the art, artwork is a, is a great selling point to my mind. So opening up the book you get on the, in the end papers, a big double page spread of uh, looks like a Kovacs, Doug Kovacs art. Uh, I'd say the Stud Kovacs, yeah. Um, just a, a crazy scene packed with all sorts of monsters. It's one of those drawings where you can just keep looking at it and stuff kind of pops out at you slowly. It kind of... You keep noticing stuff, but that's that's really cool. Uh, and then there's the... Then there's uh, a, an artwork that reads the monster alphabet, and it's... It uh, looks like a, it's a mullen and it's a kind of underground stalactites and stalagmite type cavern image with all sorts of creepies and crawling crawlies that once again they kind of blend into the uh, the environment of of a of a warped kind of cavern. But I'm doing what I thought I wouldn't do, which is trying to describe the artwork. So I'm not going to do that. And instead, we move straight to the Monster Alphabet A to Z table of contents. Obviously, this helps you jump straight to where you need to go. But opposite that, on the facing page, page three, for fans of the die drop table, you'll be pleased to find a gloriously gonzo die drop table. Where, where you throw a handful of D12s um, following the instructions. You throw them onto the page and quickly generate a random monster. I mean, it's as quick as that. There's a little explanation underneath the contents on the facing page, page two. As well as on page two, you get a, a note on um, funky dice. <laughs> Which is quite interesting because the tables use like D5s, D7s. D14s, D24s, D26 and D30, not exclusively, but some of them have have got those dice as a requirement. But I was finding myself um, <laughs> fascinated and I got a little bit distracted thinking about, you know, different ways of simulating certain dice and um, different methods of random generation. Page 5 has a foreword by none other than Frank Mentzer. Um, rather annoyingly, they've spelt his uh, name wrong and left a T out. But it's spelt correctly on the front cover, and I, I don't know what that's about. 
And uh, that's a little bit of an inspirational blurb talking about monsters. And uh, that's followed by an introduction by Michael Curtis, who um, he wrote the uh, the dungeon alpha the dungeon alphabet, which was a uh, pretty popular book from what I believe, and it was the same type of idea as this, an A to Z, but dealing with stuff you'd you'd perhaps find in a dungeon or or on, on a crawl. So um, both of those are. Uh, pretty interesting and i note here that i it seems i've made a, a slight error um this is where you find the instructions on the funky dice that i mentioned earlier not under the contents so there you go diving into the meat of the book starting with a um each letter has normally more than one entry so for example there's three entries for a two for b three for c one for d um, notably that is dragon um, and it goes on like that on average i say they've got a couple of entries each some with three but some of the more awkward letters we say have got like one entry so x is for xenotransplantation and Y is for yuck. Uh, yeah. So what I want to do now is just take... A is for aquatic. Each entry has a little blurb. And I will read out the aquatic blurb for you now. Beneath the surface of every heaving ocean and placid lake, a single rule of law is obeyed. The big fish eat the little fish. The apex predators of the deep, unbounded by the strictures of gravity, reach horrifying proportions. These lords of the brine do not wear crowns and finery. Their station is proclaimed by rows of dagger-like teeth. Serpentine coils of tentacles, barbs of paralytic venom and savage opportunism. There are many ways to use the table below. Roll 1d4 four times on the table below to create an exclusively aquatic creature. If you would like to merely add an aquatic trait to another monster, roll once on the table below. Alternatively, you could create an aquatic creature by going down the table below and rolling once for each row that begins with a bolded word, e.g. coloration, vision, armour and so on. Skip uninteresting traits. Stop rolling when you're happy with your creation. So I thought that's um, a good example of an entry. It it sort of gives you a little bit of flavour text there, gets your mind going and then gives you a nice practical and concise set of instructions. So what I thought I'd do next is uh, try it out. Let's roll something up and see what we get. Right, so what do you say? Uh, so roll 1d4 times. So let's have a look. So four. Wow. Four times on the table below. So first up is a d12. Uh, we got an eight. The monster has extremely long pectoral fins that can be extended to catch the wind. It can leap from the water and glide a short distance before plunging back into the sea. Okay. So a flying aquatic creature. It's already left the water, look. Next one. 
a nine. A thing. This monster is a warped amalgamation of fin, fur and fang. Flip a coin. Heads, fish, head on a crossbreed body. Tails, ordinary monster with lower body replaced by a D4 roll. Wow, hold on. Let's, uh, let's go. So flip a coin so we go odds and evens on this D12. Seven. Odds, right, so tails. So it's an so it's an ordinary monster with lower body replaced by roll the D four replaced by seaweed. Okay, so it's got a seaweedy lower body and it's currently a flying thing. So okay, I'm imagining like a flying thing with all this seaweed trailing out the back. Uh, okay, so let's find out what the rest of the monsters are. I've got two rolls left from my original four. We'll go a two. Vision. Most aquatic monsters have some level of infravision. Roll D10 to determine appearance. Right, so the level of vision is 1D10 minus 2 times 10. Well, that's not a lot, is it? Uh, what's that going to be? So, 20 foot, 20 foot infravision. Uh, maybe that's quite good underwater. That seems quite low. Not impressed with that. Right, and um, a D10 for its, the nature of its eyes. Ooh, it's got eye clusters. So, we've got a flying thing with eye clusters trailing a seaweedy lower body. And let's roll again in the last roll. Um, oh, that's a nine again. Reroll. And this is just a coloration roll. Denizens of the sea often take on hues of their environment. Roll a d10. Nine. Teal. So we've got this teal, a monster with eye clusters. It's got uh, these. Pectoral, enlarged pectoral fins that spring out like wings and can catch the wind leaping from the water and gliding short distances, trailing seaweed out the back. So that's A for aquatic, and the list goes on. You can just keep, as it says, you know, do, do that as much as you like. But, I mean, that's that's quite evocative. That's got me thinking. I've got, got a picture forming in my mind, and, you know, I think that's what it's all about. And there are a lot of these tables um, it goes through. It's interesting to uh, want to mention that under W for weird, there's a bit of a commentary um, by James Raggi of uh, Lamentations fame. And he just talks about... Um, you know, the importance of monsters and getting away from the mundane. And uh, it comes with a D1, his his section comes with a D100 weird creature properties. And there is just some crazy stuff on there. Uh, yeah, Celestial Broadband. 
effective caster levels of clerics are increased by a random amount. The cleric will not know this before casting a spell. Harsh reality is uh, on an 8. Luck checks in the creature's presence automatically fail. 41. But you wouldn't want to. Critical hits are rolled using a reduced die. Uh, yeah, and it goes on, you know, there's like a... There's a hundred of them, and I won't spoil it. Some of them are really good. <laughs> uh, but it, the um, the little blurb by James uh, is good, interesting, and also quite inspiring. I, I like these um, little commentaries you get in books. I quite liked their other book as well, the one about um, how to write adventure modules that don't suck. But, yeah, so that was that was it. I just wanted to give everybody a bit of a taster. I've only, like I say, I've only just got it and I'll, I'll be delving into it more. But this is the sort of thing I like, that system neutral kind of GM tools. Uh, more and more I find my games, uh, it's probably not a, great, a, a good thing, but my games, I run a game and all the different systems are kind of blending into one amorphous mass in my memory. So um, I'll sit down and play a game and I think I'm playing one game, say I'm playing 5e, but really if I was to break it down and analyse it, I've probably got bits of every game I've read or owned or played jammed in every other game. So there's sort of no, no purity to what I'm doing. In fact, I've... I was thinking this yesterday, looking through my BX Essentials, I might have to just run a pure, or try and run, a pure rules-as-written session at some point, just to, just for the crack, really, see if I can do it, because I don't think I can. Anyway, I'm starting a waffle. I'm going to bring that to a close. And that, as they say, is a wrap. Big thanks goes out to you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to Old Spike Pit. Take care, and I'll catch you later.